Hello. Hello, hello. There we go. Miss Faith. Yes, sir. All right. Man, thank you so much for coming on to the Single Obsolete and Dangerous Podcast. Of course. Podcast where black folk can talk about white supremacy, racism, and white people, but don't know how how to say it. Okay. I appreciate you having me. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to having this conversation. You know, uh, I was just, um, you know, just interacting and talking with you and kind of sharing ideas. So I, I, I really wanted to extend an appreciation for you to come on and uh, just kind of share some things and share some ideas and concepts and <clears throat> also share some uh, some experiences that you've had and some of your understandings about about what's going on. So we always start out each each uh each episode with a very important question. So mm-hmm. first question is, are you white or are you non-white? Uh I am non-white. Okay. And does the system of white supremacy, which is racism, uh-huh. is it in existence? Absolutely. Okay. So because it is in existence and you're a non-white person, what have been some of the things that you have learned to kind of help minimize or kind of help navigate through this system kind of to kind of like help you to kind of minimize, like I said, minimize some of the mistreatment and, and uh, subjugation you've been experiencing? Um, let's see here. I don't know that I've been able to, in my 31 years, minimize the actual effects that white supremacy um, has had in my life on like a, you know, religious level and a professional level. And as far as education is concerned, I think living in this country, it's impossible to avoid the effects of white supremacy. So Hmm. the only way that I've been able to minimize the effects is on a, a personal level. Um, and that's by basically keeping my inner circle and, in general, outer circle as well, uh, Caucasian-free. And that has served my mental health tremendously. So I've been so, able to minimize some of those effects. But as far as, you know, interfacing day-to-day, getting through, you know, the ins and outs of being an adult and supporting yourself and getting through, um, you know, raising a family and things like that, I don't think I can ever avoid the effects of white supremacy. So, 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 what you're saying is that you've kind of figured out a way to not have white people around your circle, like your interaction. Yes. So, so, do you? So, you don't have any white friends? I don't. I don't have any white friends. Really? So, you don't have a white person that you can call on if you need something. I don't have a single white person name or number in my phone, and I haven't in years. Wow. So if you really need something, mm-hmm. like really need something, mm-hmm. and we are in the system of white supremacy and white people are in a position of power because of that system, mm-hmm. would it not logically be sound to at least have one white person we can call on to help? I suppose. I wouldn't know either way. Um, mm. I think that I am connected to other circles of people. Uh-huh. That makes things possible for me. 
Um, and maybe when I go to them, they go to a white person or they go to someone who goes to a white person and that's their business. Um, but as far as the direct contact with me, I try to keep those things. Um, <laughs> okay. So I have a question. Is there anything that you've accomplished or have in your possession that was not allowed or given to you by a white person and or white people directly or indirectly? Uh, no. So essentially, Unless, maybe <laughs> if, you know, and even then, you know, the hospital, right. by white people, the doctors, she was a white Hispanic woman, uh, right. had to file through insurance. Insurance is run by white people. So, I mean, yeah. even he was here courtesy of some white people in the background. So that's the allow. Um, that's the allowance part. That's the allowance. Exactly. Part. Exactly. So even if, you know, they didn't help me, you know, create him in the bedroom, they helped him get here. So oh, they allowed yeah. Yeah. So then so 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 then this is what I'm trying to get. So you don't have no white friends and you and you and you saying that that kind of helps you, but in essence white people are in, are very integral in your life. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. And even That's deep. um on a deeper level because I have a son who's special needs. Right. And uh possible to find adequate services within the black community, as bad as that sounds. So mm. in order to get my son the care that he needed, I had to go to white people and they are phenomenal. They treat me with respect. They treat my son very well. Um, they are invested in seeing him improve. And maybe that's just for the <coughs> metrics. I'm sure that suits them in some way. Mm. But as far as I'm concerned, as a mother, it works for me. So when mm. I do interface with white people, um, it's typically on his behalf. Mm. And again, that's because education in America, if you want your child to receive a certain kind of education, you kind of have to go to white people. Hmm. That's deep. That's deep. Hmm. When you did deal with white people or had white friends, when <clears throat> and you had some white people in your phone numbers that you would call, what was that interaction like? What was that like? Toxic. It was toxic. Um, when you were young, so. was when you were younger. You're only thirty one, so so right. twenties or in your teens. Well, essentially, my experience when I did have white friends, when I did interact with white people on a regular basis, those experiences were so negative, um, and really impacted me on a a mental level. Wow. Um, to a degree that I was like. I won't go down that road again. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need too many of you to prove the same thing to me for me to catch on. Um, and this is, I went to, uh, I won't say the name, but a pretty prestigious private all-girls school um, in Pennsylvania. Uh -huh. And we were maybe one of, <clears throat> maybe one of seven, one of eight African-Americans um, out of a graduating class of almost 50. And we were the largest that they had ever seen. And they constantly let us know that. Like, you're the most Negroes we've ever had. Like, congratulations. <laughs> like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, but being in an environment like that where you constantly had to explain your blackness and um, apologize for being black in a white space and apologize mm. for maybe not having the things that they had and making them feel uncomfortable about being privileged around you. 
the audacity of privileged people to make their subordinates feel like, I really want to talk about my JAG, but I don't want you to feel bad because you catch the bus to school. It's that kind of stuff where it's like, I really just don't want to be around y'all, all like that. Mm. And the friendships that I had, eventually I found out that we were friends because they thought they could get something from me. Um, so they were never you- just interested in friendship with me for the sake of, like, do you seem like a decent person or someone I would like to hang out with? It's, oh, okay, I feel like you could possibly braid my hair or you could teach me the dances for the dance team or you could get me on a date with the black boy from Central down, down the road or you have to have some kind of direct benefit to me in order for me to deal with you. And I got to the point where I was like, no, I don't, I'm not interested in that kind of trade-off anymore. So I'm oh. good on you guys. <clears throat> hmm. Do you think that all white people are racist? Yes. Unless proven otherwise, that is the assumption that I go into every interaction um, with a white person mm. with that in my mind. Yeah. That, and what people need to understand is that you don't have to actively be doing something to be participating in the system that subjugates another class of people. Um, oh, break that, break that so, down. What do you, what do you mean? You don't have to be at. So, so if you're just kind of like the white guy who's just kind of, he's chill. He kind of grew up in eight mile likes, likes hip hop and, you know, goes to all the rap battles in Detroit and, you know, hangs with like nothing but black dudes and they all rap together. That's, He's, is he cool? He's still participating? I mean, there is no cool to me. There is no cookout. Like, either you are against my oppression or you're not. So if you're not actively against my oppression, you are for it by default. So people who believe that they can be neutral, that they can hang out with a racist family member and then see me in the workplace and, and chop it up, you know, because they're, you know, they're cool, they're in. For me, there is no, there's no both ways because the fact that you are allowing the people that you interface with to carry on in this system means that you are okay with the result of it wow. which is me being oppressed the inaction so the, the inaction yeah. of it being the action mm. you're complicit in my oppression so mm. you don't have to actively be marching and you know voting for trump you could have voted for hillary and still be as racist you can have black children and still be racist so Ooh, people need to understand that it's time out. You mean to tell okay. me if a white what if you have black children, if a white person, male or female, has children with a with a non-white person, they still can be racist even though they go and have black babies? Absolutely. Slave owners have black babies. Mm-hmm. Since when have black babies ever absolved you <laughs> of any racist tendencies or beliefs that you may hold about black people in general? Stop. You could feel that way about your own children. Oh man! There are white women with black children who voted for Trump. Oh, if man. that's not racism, I don't know what is. So yes, this whole idea that we can somehow screw racism out of our society by just you know everyone looking for someone that's the opposite shade and and popping out a baby. I mean, Brazil tried that. Other places have tried that. They have tried to import whiteness, and all it did was create another class. But it didn't you know blur the two that already existed. Hmm. Wow. You know, that's funny. That's deep that you're saying that because um, a lot of people now, I think uh, there's a, like there's this thing going around when they say like in uh, 2050, 
there's there going to be no more white people, right? And um, I, I'm constantly trying to express and tell people that, uh, especially non-white people, particularly black folks, thinking that getting rid of pale skin, because they're really, you know, because they're stuck on this genetic thing. And I understand that. I, I can appreciate the, the concept of recessive and dominant genes and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. but, but what's what's happening is when we start applying those ideas and concepts to the human condition, we, 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 we kind of miss it. See, so when they talk about dominant and recessive genes, right, and so they're talking about um, animals picking genes uh, on a physical level that's reflective of a dominance within the environment. And so animals act like that because that is, their, that is part of their nature for them to kind of progress the species, right? Mm-hmm. So... But human beings, we're a little bit more conscientious. We have some animalistic tendencies, but we're a little bit more conscientious. So um, our, our, our survival is not really based upon any physical attributes, especially now. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's not really because because having physical attributes do not do not hold much weight other than kind of like physical attraction. So, so mean. So, what I'm trying to say is, if somebody who was who had a abs, right, and, and who was physically fit, that means that they're automatically going to have 350 million dollars in the bank account. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> like as as soon as as soon as your your your, your body mass index, you know what I mean, drops below 20 percent, down 15 percent, all of a sudden you're a multi-millionaire. So then, <laughs> so then women or men, you know what I mean, trying to get with each other based upon what I think would help you know, further the species is not physical because we use some social interactions that are very different. So there'll be more, we're more with to get with somebody with $350 million in the bank account, regardless of what they look like, because we see that the financial security, right, exactly. So, 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 so I say all that to say is we, for some reason, think that um, white people, you know, or being white is, uh, is like something physical when it's when it's not anything physical. Like being white, it has nothing to do with pale skin and blonde hair and blue eyes. That's not what makes you white. What makes you white is a very particular set of qualifications. And so what has happened is that there are white people who are classified as white who are darker than you and I. Right. <laughs> and so here we are. We're thinking that. You know, uh, you know, the browning of America or, or you know, there's not going to be no more white people. Everyone's going to be brown. And so so for some reason, in the back of their head, well, if there's no more blonde hair, blue eyes, that means white supremacy is going to be gone. No, it's not going to be gone. And in fact, it probably didn't be that much more stronger because then exactly. you really don't think because you were thinking that, oh, because there's blonde hair and blue eyes and they're trying to they're trying to uh, save their genes because no, 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 no. Not, that's, right. that's not so happening. If the physical now. component goes yeah. away, then it makes yeah. it harder to pinpoint. You know right. who you're fighting against now because everyone is some shade of brown. Right. So now you have to figure out what the classification of white really means besides exactly. the social component. You know what I mean? We tend right. to look at black and white now as if they have some deeper significance, you know, as far as race is concerned and things like that. And that's really just default. That just allow people to group themselves together. But outside of that, even if we look at places where bleaching is a problem, 
or mm. if we look at places where there is a caste system, you still see white supremacy in play because it's still going, it, you know, it's still a gradient attached to that. It's still the very, very fair-skinned Indians at the top and the darkest at the bottom, although right. they're all Indians. These are right. homogenous communities. So how is white supremacy still at play in countries where white people are not the majority? Man. Well, because it doesn't take white people for white supremacy to, you know, stay in motion. And that's why it's so dangerous, like I said, because people don't have to actually be doing anything for white supremacy to still, you know, keep people oppressed. Damn. Yo, you, you, I like what you said. I, I firmly support, white people don't have to be around for white supremacy. There was a there was a conversation or there was a talk or I was talking with someone and they were just like yeah so how's white supremacy in China like there's no white supremacy in China because there's no white people in China and I and I was trying to express and I said this listen white supremacy working at its optimum is when there's no white people anywhere in a thousand right. miles in each direction that's when it's yeah. operating at its most optimum where they don't the that there's a white the ideologies of white supremacy that come on powerful come so, on now have a kind of you know yes i'm explaining it <laughs> talking talking about our talking about our talking about our, our folks man what has been um you know, this is an, uh, this podcast is an extension of my Facebook, so a lot of my Facebook interactions. One thing I I, I wanted to I wanted to kind of dive into with you is the the religion aspect, right? Mm -hmm. And so the the, the premise, <coughs> according really? to hold on, <laughs> hold on, the, the <laughs> yeah, we going in, man. I hope All you right. sit back right. and put. I'm mad. I'm glad you know, sip your little wine, girl, because I need Goodness. you to be. I uh, know I shouldn't have. <laughs> I say something I can't say back. No, man. Listen, man. Yo, listen. Anything that you say in in regards or whatever that is going to be said, the only thing that I do ask for is you to define certain words or terms that you use for clarity. Other than that, whatever you say is solely totally on you, and I want it to be as real as possible. Okay. Okay. But let me. The premise that I understand or the premise that I subscribe to based upon counter-racist logic is that the system of white supremacy is the most powerful religious force on the planet. Now, I'm not saying that white supremacy created other religions. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that the system of white supremacy is a religion within itself, and that religion is much more powerful than all of the other religions on the planet every single religion and spiritual system that is practiced on this planet right now is subject to the system of white supremacy, which is the most powerful religion on the planet. So that is the premise that I stand upon, that I subscribe to. Not the point to where, well, you know, white supremacy created the religions because a lot of majority of all the religions and spiritual practices predate the system of white supremacy. And so because there are many things that predate the system of white supremacy, does that mean that because it's in white supremacy in existence, it doesn't control, it, it still falls under and subject to it. So even though Christianity, Islam, uh, African spiritual system, they, they predate the system of white supremacy, does not mean that now that they are like somehow some way outside the system of white supremacy. They all fall under, they all fall subject to it even though they may be older than it. Mm -hmm. So 
with that just kind of just putting that bringing that premise there what <laughs> what's going on with our people in this religion thing like why what what is there there is like this strong connect this is something i always say man just because you make jesus black don't mean he real i'm not trying to get i ain't trying to i ain't trying to get people gonna be like oh i'll say here you go no but i'm just saying man because there's some serious confusion going on and one of the areas of human activity which is 10 of them i subscribe to right which is economics education entertainment labor law politics religion sex technology and war all those areas of human activity are controlled and influenced by white supremacy. So I know that if we're kind of confused about this uh, religion thing, it just ultimately feeds into that system of white supremacy. But, but please, what has been your synopsis or what have you been experiencing in that understanding? Uh, I think a lot of black people at this time are dealing with um okay let me oh i see i wish you did not bring this up i hate talking about religion okay come on man we going so there we going there man <laughs> see you thought it was just gonna be oh we're just gonna talk about white now man come I on did. now let's just talk about the white man okay <laughs> we All are right. we are talking because about the I white man bad. indirectly we are but it's um Black people don't know how to take it, and I think that I think that there 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 are multiple people are in multiple places with this. Now we have a lot of people who are in fear right now, and we see a lot of Christians acting out um, of a place of fear, not just for themselves, um, but for other people. And so this plays out on Facebook. You know, Jesus is the only way, and if you guys don't convert, you're all going to hell. I'm not bowing down praying no more. That didn't get us anywhere. Look, you know, Genesis chapter 13, but you can't even get with them because they're so wrapped up in the fear, the dogma that they're not even in a place where logic and reason can reach them. Black people who are in that place scare me because those kind of people end up being fanatic. Like, they'll put hands, like, those are people who put hands on you, so... I stay clear of those people. But we also have another group of people who are reaching a political, a social awakening, and it's hard. Right, so uh, having a social and political awakening continue right and with this social political awakening a lot of people are also having a spiritual awakening can you speak into the mouth speak into the mouth i can hear you speak into the mouth please you can't hear me still there we go that's better okay so a lot of people are also experiencing um what we might consider to be a spiritual awakening um grappling with the idea that you know the white man could be negative in so many different areas of your life but somehow have given you this positive religion so people are starting to question the religion that they've been born into. Um, a lot of people are accepting that they follow a religion that they didn't choose. Uh, mm. And I think that is, is what a lot of people are starting to challenge. Um, the idea that they can learn about and educate themselves about other religions and spiritual systems and not be condemned to hell 
not be a bad person, you know, be a learned person who is open and they can still have their beliefs, whatever those are. Um, and so I think those people and the people who are acting out of fear are starting to, to butt heads. Mm. And we're seeing that play out on social media and, you know, think pieces and blogs. And yes, yeah, it's, it's been ugly. I'll mm. say that. Mm. And all the while, are white people benefiting from this confusion that we're having? I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, the white people never lose out. So it's hard they for don't me to lose. say, are they benefiting? They're always benefiting. So they don't, they don't care they whether benefit. we pray to Jesus right. or we go to a tree to pay. <laughs> Somehow, some way, this it white guy care. is going to get some money. <laughs> exactly. He's selling you something that you need. Listen. Either for the church or for the tree. Yeah, listen. It don't, <laughs> it don't matter. It really don't matter. They don't care. It don't matter, man. It don't mm-hmm. matter. Uh, is there okay? Uh, I want you to be honest now, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, could uh, as it relates to the religion, could there be kind of moving forward as it relates to non-white people, particularly black folks? Could we allow everyone to have what they choose to do and practice? regardless of it not being the same is it could like we? could, could we theory? have could we have that and still deal with the system of white supremacy i'm not sure that one would affect the other i mean no matter what black people do we can't eliminate the system of white supremacy oh. we didn't create it wow. and none of us are in any positions of actual power mm. so we can't eliminate anything as far as that's concerned. Now, would something like accepting other people's beliefs and traditions and things like that, would that benefit us on a social level um, as far as the community is concerned, as far as our interactions with one another? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what it boils down to is there's nothing that we can do um, that will hurt or impact white supremacy. So we need to stop fighting with each other in hopes that, you know, we're the one with the answer with, you know, for the solution. None of us have the answer. None of us are the solution. Mm. It's impossible for us to fix this. So once we get past that, then we can start focusing on repairing the relationship we have with each other. Mm. The relationship that we have with white people is out of our hands. You know, what, what is in our control is, is how we, you know, treat our kin. So um, although it wouldn't, you know, end white supremacy, I think that it would end some some infighting amongst us. Absolutely, I don't think that would be a bad thing. You know, I like I like that the infighting thing because that'll segue to my next question. I have I saw an interaction that you had on Facebook that was speaking about <laughs> that was speaking about the privilege that black folk have in America in mm. comparative to. African black folk mm-hmm. from Africa. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. can you please kind of expound? <laughs> I said it. <laughs> so so I, first of all, you know, uh, uh, I don't use the word privilege, especially mm-hmm. in, within this context, because the the concept and idea of privilege really comes from the term of white privilege, and so I stay away from using the word white privilege. I use the word the term white power, because. Mm-hmm. 
white privilege was a term created by racist white people for them to talk about white power, but you not be offended that they're talking about white power and you not be aware that they're talking about white power. So they use the term right. white privilege to kind of hide that in your face. And then most of the time, non-white people, particularly black folks, unwittingly support this thing or, you know, I'm so glad this white person is cool because they know that they got white, uh, white privilege and they accept that they have white privilege. It would be a different conversation if, if the white person was saying, well, you know, I have white power and uh, I accept that I have white power. And, and then the, the, the black person is like, oh, man, they got white power, man. I, 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 can, I can deal with this white person because they understand that they have white power. <laughs> it would be totally different. I mean, so when you say privilege, Mm-hmm. In this context, what do you mean when you say the word privilege? So, privilege, the way that I'm using it, only refers to advantages that you didn't do anything to gain and can't do anything to lose. And you're saying Black folk have things that they didn't do to gain and can't do anything to lose in comparative to Africans? Oh, please break like what? What? It, what please. <laughs> so okay. So first, here's what we need to establish. Okay, establish. Sure, black people or non-white people can never own white power or white privilege. For people who are still grappling with the word power, um, black people can never own it, but they can benefit from proximity to it. Here's an example. Well, the black hold, boy. Hold the proximity to it? Okay. Yes. And I'm going to explain. Okay. Um, let's take a black boy riding his bicycle down the road. Cop pulls over, starts giving him the third degree. Black mama runs out of the house. That black boy is still in the same position he was in when he was out there with the cop by himself. Same black boy. Let's say his mother is white. And she runs out of the house towards the officer. That boy has a much better chance of riding off into the sunset and letting that cop go on about his business. Why? Because white women are powerful. White women are arguably the most powerful operators within the system of white supremacy. They're the so most dangerous. If, I've always said that, man. I always say come, that. Come on. Now, white, white women are the most dangerous beings. Racist white women are the most dangerous people in the system of white supremacy. The it's most true. dangerous. So, yeah, so sure, black people can never have, you know, white power, but you can benefit from being close to it or being in a system that is built on it, like America. Americans are going to make sure that America is straight first. Americans are greedy. Americans have been raping countries for centuries to make sure that Americans could be on top. The fact that we are born and raised in this country means that we are born with advantages that... We didn't do anything to gain, and we can't lose because we are American. In comparison to people who are also non-white, who are born in countries where white people do not live primarily. Those countries are just automatically going to be worse off than countries that are majority white. So we benefit from living in a place where there are a bunch of white people because we live under a system of white supremacy. So white people are going to make sure that white people live better than people who are second and third class citizens. So me living in a white country, if I move to Sweden, I'm even better off because it's whiter and everything is much better when it's whiter. So yes, there are absolutely 
privileges, powers, whatever we want to call them, that we are afforded because we are born in the West, because we're born in, in the United States. And if we recognize how that affects people on a global level, then we could become global thinkers and global impactors, which is what we're supposed to be anyway. But if we constantly feel like, oh, you know what I'm saying, my ice is cold, you know what I'm saying, I can't worry about that right now because, yeah, everybody has their struggle, but can we recognize how we might contribute to other people's struggles because of, of how we live? It's, it's something like being a black woman and working in HR. You are afforded privileges by being a black woman working around all these white women that other people are just not aware that you are afforded. And that's real. Working around a bunch of white women who like you, they can, they can boost you where you need to be. White women are powerful. People sleep on white women. People out here marching alongside white women, and white women, for the most part, are straight. But that's not what you asked me. No, 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 no. I, I, I do not want to interrupt. I'm going to wait until you finish your thought. No, that was it. I finished more than I thought. Is the system... Oh, yeah, that was... Okay. Answer your question. All right. So is the system of white supremacy worldwide? Yeah. Is it a different white supremacy that's in America than that is in Africa? No. Okay. So since the system of white supremacy is not different in America than it is in Africa then what is the privilege that we're gaining as it relates to proximity if both systems are in the same place? Both systems are in the same place, but we live amongst the beneficiaries. Africans don't live amongst the beneficiaries. If it was all African-Americans or, or living you know, amongst each other, something like the Caribbean, we would be living like we're in the Caribbean. And you see how the Caribbean is. You benefit from living close to white people because white people are going to make sure that all the resources, all the wealth is stationed where they are. So, but so, 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 so the so, fact that so you're we just catch the overflow toilets, it's, so, yes. So we catch the, <laughs> yes, you catch the runoff from, <laughs> from so because we catch the runoff, because we catch the runoff that we gives us, that gives us privileges that, oh, but, but no, oh, but here's the thing, it's the same thing when, when you talk to anybody else about privilege, like, People feel like when you talk to them about whatever privileges they're afforded, that somehow you are attacking their stance or it's like, no, all in the problem that I had with people when I started engaging in this conversation is that they immediately went to the, oh, well, you're not American, so you don't understand, which is odd that people feel like because you're a Nigerian that you can't be American. Mm. There is no monopoly on the black experience in this country, regardless regardless of what your nationality is. If you live in America, if you live anywhere on the globe and you are non-white, you're black. Come on now. So you don't get to tell me that because I'm Nigerian, that I'm not black or that I can't speak on the black experience in this country. White people treat us no different anywhere. They can't tell y'all. They but can't yes, tell whether y'all from Nigeria or America exactly. anyway. And the fact that I was born here, yes, that probably means that I was more likely to be born in a place where I have running water and I have a toilet that flushes and my roads are paved and, you know, education is free. I mean, we hoard wealth in this country. We're 15% of the population with over 80% of the wealth. You can't tell me that there isn't a benefit to living that close to wealth. There is. Because white people are not going to live like, like the slums in Brazil. They're not. Not to prove a point to you. Uh -huh. They're not going to treat you any better just because your faucet runs and your toilet flushes. It doesn't matter that you get the runoff of white supremacy. You're still a second-class citizen. So then would it... So, 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 it, it, so 
So help me out here. Would it be even that much more of a detriment that you're getting a perceived sense of uh, benefit when in actuality it really is a smoke and mirror? So yes, we may not have running water in Africa, but the water that we have is full of lead and it's going to destroy a generation of children in Flint and like much other places of black children with lead poisoning. So what I'm saying, so what I'm saying is, is that the from the interaction that I was watching and seeing when you were talking about this, is if we start getting the the mileage game, we start trying to trying to test miles and things like that. If we try to, trying, especially when it comes to white supremacy, it becomes extremely counterproductive. Because in, in actuality, what we may see as, as a privilege or like you're saying, like a benefit by being in proximity is an illusion. Sure, it may be an illusion and we may have a lot of black people who live in a fog because of it. Uh-huh. But what's not an illusion is that well over 60% of the globe is suffering from malnutrition. That's not an illusion. That's true, so right? I, it's hard for me to say like, oh, well, the fact that our, you know, we're loopy in the head is we're worse off. No, there are people who are living far worse off. And it's not about doing anything about it today. It's not about, you know, going out and living on the streets, you know, to prove that you recognize that you're privileged and uh, just throwing yourself on the sword. It's not even about that. Uh-huh. But it is about recognizing that we are probably in greater positions to make change because we have access to more things over here. No. And that's ultimately what it boils down to. So if we know that we can't change white supremacy, we can't do anything about white supremacy, okay. we can only do anything about how we interface and connect with one another and how we choose to live amongst each other. That's it. Now, so, so, so then why can't we do things to make that better? Like have the conversation about what we can do here in the state to globally benefit people who are non-white. Why can't we have that conversation? I don't understand why that upsets people. You know, I, I, you know what, you know what, you know what it is, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. Let me know. I think deep down, because deep down, man, we love white people, man. We can't get enough <laughs> of them, man. Listen, we can't get enough of them. Come and, on. And for real, I'm serious. And we, and and the and not only that, we can't get enough of them. We wish we are we were them. Deep down, we, do. we deep we down. Do. You know what I'm saying? And I think even the part of the confusion that we're seeing and that we're missing or that's kind of gets kind of gets over our head is that um <sighs> we're not going to we're not going to see these changes or affect to have these changes if we do not put like as you were saying, the correct perspective of, of how we're, what's going on, you mm-hmm. know? And I know, I know that part of the back and forth and the headbutting, you know, and the uh, conflict that we have with one another is not of our own making, right? Sure. So, so, so your ability, so your ability to see the difference and say like, listen, <laughs> if you if you live closer to white people, you know, as it relates to proximity, you're going to have, there's going to be something that, you you know, you're going to have a benefit to that in comparative terms of Africa. But if they're playing a global game, which they are, they, you know what I'm saying? Is it for us to see? 
that they're, they're they're not just thinking they're not thinking about the parameters of that and it's not and it's part of their illusion to make it seem like yeah man and they get free education but we get miseducation and they got free running water but it's lead filled water and they're not malnutrition but we get we get types of food and and, and, and GMOs and all types of stuff that kind of we're skyrocketing in diabetes and blood pressure and heart disease. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, 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 perceivably, we got all these things coming, but these things are a detriment almost more so than it would be had we been in Africa at this point in time or in the Caribbean in comparative terms. So, yes. You mean, like, it had slavery never happened? No, what I'm saying is, is that even though it seems like being in proximity of white supremacy or specifically where white people live, it seems that it may be, there's a benefit to that, but that benefit is a real detriment. So yes, in comparative terms, if you're in Africa, you don't have running water. But when we're in proximity of, in America, Man, there's an 80% chance that the water is full of chemicals and lead and we are getting destroyed from it. Yes, there is no education. Is true. Right, of so course. what I'm saying, there's the no education. giving us here in America are trash, but we still have people who are willing to sell their bodies into slavery, walk across deserts, send their babies off into boats by themselves with strangers and coyotes to get them here to America where we'll sit here and complain about stuff that, I mean... Like, you could get a filter. I'm not talking about the Flint situation. I'm talking about me and you. So if we're saying, well, yeah, people in Africa don't have running water at all or access to clean water, period, but my water might have lead, that sounds like a real what? A real example of what I'm saying. So, But what I'm trying if to say is that... can't hear the kind of like... Uh, wait a minute. But so, so, The privilege in that? Is there's a... Wait, 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 wait. What I'm trying to say... What I'm trying to say is that we may be like it's a perceived sense of benefit, but it's an actual detriment. Like we perceive that it's it's perceived from the outside as a benefit. But what I'm saying underline, it is actually a detriment. And, and all the things that you're expressing that we're benefiting from, if we really look at it, we can find and see how it is a detriment from access sure, to food, to, water, education. Access to cheap internet. Tell me how that's hurting us. Besides the fact that we educate ourselves with memes. Because tell me how having a greater internet okay. access and greater how is that a detriment? Which also makes us a greater um, presence when it comes to, to internet activism. Tell me how that's a detriment to us. Internet activism. If we want to cherry pick how everything we have in America is somehow being poisoned or whatever, sure. But white people are poisoning themselves. They don't care. It's about the elite. Like, there's very few elite, if you want to boil, if it okay. boils down to yes, that. Let's They're not going to say any of us. So we're all going to be poisoned. Yo. But with somebody still sell their left testicle to get out of the hut that they're in or the slum that they live in to come over here where they could maybe have access to lead water, yes. <laughs> so so, so we don't want to jump. So and it, tell me that's crazy. Like, so, people so what you're saying is river. What, you, what you're saying is and get buckets of water and carry it back on their head. So what you're saying is it's better for them to jump out of fire into a frying pan. And then we're like, man, we're jumping out of a frying pan to jump into a fire. I think that we can talk about which one is better from here. 
<laughs> I think it's easy to have this conversation on our on our cellular phone, <laughs> made with stolen resources. We can talk about whether we prefer to be over here with our, uh, you know, Flint water, if we'd rather go back to Africa. That's an easy conversation to have because we're over here. If we were in Africa right now, we were having this conversation, at least one of us would be like, yeah, I'd probably rather be over in the States. <laughs> I'd rather be a Yankee right now since we don't have power half of the day. Yes, I'd rather be a Yankee right now. Hmm. So it's hard for me to answer that question. I'm privileged. I don't know. I can't give you a, a frank answer. Of course. Hmm. So we... Martyr in me wants to say, yeah, I trade it all. But the realist in me is like, fuck that. I live good. Whoa. We living good? Are we really living good? Of course not. Not on a philosophical level, but I'm on a, a carpet next to a velvet couch. So I'm, I'm not complaining right now, Austin. I'm not going to complain tonight. I'll complain tomorrow when I get on Facebook. <laughs> Sorry for the shit. I you. <laughs> next topic. We're going to talk about this no more. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I needed, I needed you to kind of really hash that out. I'm going to be honest. Nah, I'm going to be honest. That does not anything. seem. Hold on. We're going to. Because watch. You're going to come back and listen. It's like, I can't believe I really said that. And that's good. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, though. Because I'm not going to listen to this. <laughs> Let your listeners tear me apart. I'm, I'm good. Yo. Like, never happened. <clears throat> but in, fi- in, in final thought of this, I, I, am just, I am just suggesting. Okay. I could be wrong, though. I'm just suggesting. That in comparative terms, when, perfect example, when we were on the slave ship, yes, there were better seats on the fucking slave ship than others, I admit. (laughs) And I'm laughing to keep from crying. But as soon as we yeah okay, but, would you want to be by the window, even though it's tiny? Yeah. Or would you want to be in the middle at the bottom yeah. of the stack, Austin? Yeah. Stop acting like it's the same position. It, it's not the same, but man, we it's still not the same. No, but for us to be true, could you imagine? There were many, there were many of us who were arguing with each other who had a better seat on the slave ship, man. And not only did we argue, there were some of us that fought and even killed each other. Because we thought that we yeah, could get a course. better seat on the slave plant on, on the slave ship. It's, it's about survival is, for some people. We aren't we are on a world we are on a worldwide slave ship. And for us to start for us to find conflict on who has a better seat on this slave ship does not seem very constructive. Well, of course not. I wasn't. It's Facebook. I'm not trying to be constructive. <laughs> if that if that's the point you were getting to, you could have asked me that up front. Was that constructive? No, hell no. That wasn't to be constructive. That was for debate. <laughs> we all come into the Americas. You know, we might go to the Caribbean or wherever. We all must go. You know, end up in slavery. But the fact that people would fight to get to the window lets you know what. Oh, that you can enjoy the ride a little bit better? Ain't that a- no, I just uh, said how fucked up the system is. True indeed. Because we're fighting for better seats on a boat that's going to the same place. <laughs> that's what I mean by people dying to try to come over here. We still going to hell in a handbasket from America. Oh. And people still dying trying to get over here. They see Trump in office and all that. They still trying to come over here. Uh, oh, 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 I want to segue into something that you had shared. Um, uh, or kind of expound a little bit. What does it mean to be to have a connection 
as an African from Africa, at the same time, be in America as as an African. You saying what does it mean? Yeah, what does it mean? Like what it what does it mean to you as Black Americans? Not you know what I mean. Do you think or do you see that there's a difference between Black Americans and Africans? And what has uh, what has yes. that what has that mean to you? If if there is a difference, is there not a difference? Then there's not a difference, or there is a difference, and it it has and it has had an effect on you. There's a difference in um, the way that Africans think in comparison to Black Americans. Okay, what do you, okay, I, yeah, right. I, I'm confused um, now, so I don't. I, I think we all have brains. What about the way that yeah. that Africans think? Yeah. No, there's there's a difference. There's absolutely a difference. So, so my father came from um, a very rural place, and I'm I'm using rural politely. Oh wow. Um, we're from the village, um, in Eke and Enugu, in Enugu State. Um, my father's Nigerian, and from the time that he was very young. Basically, it was put in his head that, you know what I'm saying, you can do anything. You'll go to America. You'll get an education. You'll marry a white woman. You'll live well. And then you'll have my children in America, and they'll, have, they'll, be, they'll be good. That's what people think back home. Have your kids in America, and they'll be good. Oh, okay. So from very early on, that was instilled in him. So my father, coming from the village, worked his way into the city, you know, laid bricks, did all kinds of, of jobs and grunt work. Eventually, um, he was granted his student visa. He got accepted to a community college. He got on a plane um, with nothing, knowing no one, barely speaking the language. He didn't even have a coat. And he landed in New York City. Wow. Early in the 80s. Wow. So you have to understand the mentality of a man or of people who go through journeys like that okay. of dreaming of getting to a place that they've never even seen, not in a picture, nothing. We're just hearing about it. Of getting through all of the, the trials and tribulations that they go through to cross oceans to get to a country that they don't even know if what they think is there is actually there. People who go through that, once they get there, they feel like, even if America isn't all that it's cracked up, cracked up to be or what we think it is back home, it's better than what we left. So for starters, we'll just celebrate that. It might not be the best thing in the world, but my kids are starting off in a better place than I did. Hmm. So there's automatically a sense of pride when people come over here and get, the, get themselves established. And they don't care. Africans are proud people. We don't care if we work at the corner store, the gas station, drive an Uber, up to the doctor. Everybody will stand toe-to-toe and tell you proudly, I'm African, I'm from this country. We don't, you know what I mean? This is what we stand on. This is what we do. This is who we are. Africans are just very proud people. So oh. imagine when you go through all of that and you get here, how you may look at people or perceive people who you feel don't take advantage of the fact that maybe they were born up the street from the college that you grew up dreaming about and seeing in pictures. You understand that? Like, I came all this way to get here, and you who live up the street could barely make it down the street. Like, wh- like, where is your drive? You know what I mean? Like, where is your desire to do better? So, there is 
something that happens when people come out of slavery physically but never come out mentally. Um, the psychology of slavery, the bondage, even though you are physically free, it stays with you. So True. growing True. up in America, I understand that because I, I grew up black. I didn't grow up African. My father grew up African, meaning he didn't know that he was black, so he came to America. He had no concept of black. He came from a place where everyone was. So we don't have to identify that you're black. We just are. You know what I mean? Right. So he learned what it was to be black late in life. I grew up black. So it's different. So I understand what it means to be hopeless. Mm. You know what I mean? America's not a dream for me. I live here. I know what the reality is. I don't have fairy tale dreams about this place. So I don't have the relationship to this country that my father or someone who's coming from another country would have. Wow. They're still in a dreamer state. Mm. So you have Africans who come over here who are still very, you know, much in love with the idea of America. And so there's, they chastise people who they feel don't take advantage of all the opportunities that they have in just being born in America. Hmm. So that's the difference. A lot of Africans, are, I mean, it doesn't matter what they go through or what they start from or where they start from. There's like a sense of pride that they can't take. So wow. it's hard for them to understand people who are just, who don't have that sense of pride about themselves that they could get up and create better for themselves. Now that, that, that sense of pride, that sense of pride, that is not in the African-American. Is that just kind of a natural happenstance? Did we just kind of, we just kind of came to this lack of personal pride? Well, of course not. And that's why I keep referring to the psychology behind coming out of slavery physically, <laughs> but never coming out mentally. Black people are technically still enslaved. So people who are enslaved don't think highly of themselves. They don't think highly of each other. They're suspicious of each other. They're more likely to hurt each other and attack each other and see each other as, you know, um, a threat to themselves. That's how black people interface with each other. And right. that's still very much like people who are on the plantation just trying to survive. So it's different. Yes, colonialism was bad and colonialism stripped African culture of a lot of things that we can never get back. Um, but it didn't. There's something that happens with physical bondage, with treating people as less than human that really breaks down the psyche. And if you don't rebuild it, then the people will just pass the psyche on to their children. Mm. So black people have just been passing on this, you know, this sense of shame, whereas Africans are growing up with a sense of pride. So when we come in contact with each other, it's like mm. double disgust. You know what I mean? We're, you know, Africans are looking at black people like, where is your pride? Mm. And black people are oftentimes looking at Africans like, why are you so proudful? You're more black than I am. What is there to be proud of coming from Africa? So automatically, you know what I mean? And like I said, Africans don't care if they come from dust. They're still proud to be African. So right. there is automatically like the fact that you would look down on me simply because I'm African when that's exactly what I'm most proud of. It's like, yeah. you don't even see eye to eye. So yeah, the, the mentality is different, it's different and it's mm -hmm. hard growing up African Wow. Or with, Afri with an African parent where you're yeah. hearing, you're not that, you're not that. Don't fall into that. Don't be like that. Don't listen to that. You're not that. And then walking out in the world and being treated exactly like that. It's like, well, damn, you know what I mean? Like, I know what you're telling me, but the world is treating me different. So mm -hmm. it's hard. You know, I had a, <clears throat> on the reverse, on the reverse side, um, going to Africa, I had spent, I had spent a, a, a great deal of time. And it was deep. Uh-huh. 
among my social group and among my personal friends, I, even though all those were supposedly woke and conscious or whatever, I, for for a very long time, for years, I, I was the only one that had went to Africa and not mm, did that shocking. one week, two week thing. Like <laughs> I spent uh-huh. I spent a long spent a lot of time in Africa. I'd go to Africa, man, and I'd be gone for four or five months at a time. So, but um, there was you know something deep. I uh, and I, I, I'll share this because. Uh, it was just something so so very profound, and it wasn't something I didn't realize until I had saw uh, the Black Panther movie. Right, mm-hmm. so there's a there's a point in time in the Black Panther movie where Killmonger, um, he uh, they you know they gave him the little special herb, and did you see the Black Panther yet? I did. Okay, so so uh, after he had beat T'Challa, right, and then he's like, and he uh, he gets the herb, and he goes and sees his dad, and you know, he comes back, and as soon as he wakes up, he looks at everything, and he says, good. He's like, we got more of the herb and everything. He's like, nah, man, burn it all. And for a, for a moment there, I was like, yo, why would you burn it? And then literally, I'm, I'm not lying to you, while I'm in the movie theater, I literally went back to a situation, the episode I had when I was in Africa. Uh, when I went to, there was a point in time uh, when I did my, I went to Senegal and um, I had been in Senegal for about two and a half, three weeks, but uh, I didn't learn how to speak Wolof, uh, the dialect in, in Senegal and Dakar yeah. for, it took me about, it took me about before I can really, because I'm really good with languages. I speak multiple languages. So I was literally trying to pick it up on the fly. So it took me about a month. But um, there was this like week, week and a half. Everybody who was American or anyone who spoke English had left because they, they only stayed a week and a half. So, and then it took me about almost two weeks, a little bit uh, under two weeks where I couldn't communicate to anybody and I couldn't really, no one could communicate with me. So I had about a week, week and a half of just kind of like being around people, but not being able to talk to anybody. And um, I started talking still talking English and I would start, I would be cussing. And I, 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 for some reason, I just had this, I had this frustration and I was mad and I was cussing. Like I would talk to them. They'd be like, Hey, how you doing? You know? And I'd be like, Hey man, ugly motherfucker. Like I would just be, and for some reason I would be looking at myself. Yeah, no, seriously. I would be sitting there and I would just be cussing and and I was just tight and I, I, I could not verbalize, believe it or not. I could not verbalize. And I never shared this, even sharing this now is even deep because everyone's going to hear this, but I couldn't tell anybody, but I didn't know how to describe what it was I was feeling until I had actually saw this Black Panther. Mm -hmm. I was mad and frustrated that I was at a place that I had perceived that I was connecting back to my roots, connecting back to, to my heritage, connecting back to my legacy, and I had to learn, like, how to do it again. And I had to, like, assimilate and 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 there was frustration like well, why do I have to do that like why didn't y'all almost why didn't you come for me like this is this is bullshit like you know what I'm saying like I'm here now and I gotta go through these obstacles to even get cool enough for y'all to even let me stay and all like why I got to do like don't y'all understand like y'all never came for me like y'all didn't come back and and as I was going through that there I didn't even understand how to even verbalize in my head but I just knew what I was doing and having that experience. And I never shared that with anybody. You know what I'm saying? Until I had saw that part and I understood. 
and it just clicked in my head like, wow, yeah, there is a deep-seated Killmonger's character. There's a deep-seated frustration, um, regret towards African and Africa because we knew that there's some experiences, that there was some kind of participation. And, thing. and I understand that, listen, if you wasn't snatched up on the boats, your ass still had to deal with this white man because he came with imperialism and colonialism for your ass. So even if even if you didn't make it on the slave ships, man, everything that went down in that, con- in that continent other than Ethiopia was reflective of white people, man. Any which way, you sliced it. So I understand that. But there was this kind of frustration, man, and, 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 and uh, a sense of uh, neglect. You know, I think that uh, there is, when we meet an African person and we're black, there's a certain uh, frustrate or, or animosity towards neglect. Like, yo, wh- like, why are you not feeling, like, why can't you think, you know what I'm saying, that I am you? Like, why do you got to feel like we're not the same? You know what I'm saying? And you're our origin. That's deep. That's like meeting your mom and your dad. You're finally meeting your mom and dad or someone that's related to your mom and dad. And like, eh, you're not family. Ain't that about a bitch? I mean, here's what I'll say about that whole situation. And I understand the frustration, like I said, um, with feeling like I shouldn't have to do this. It, it really does feel like an unnecessary part of like adulthood, mm. like having to reestablish your identity. Like I shouldn't mm-hmm. have to do this, yeah. but I think for a lot of Black people, it's easier. <clears throat> it's easier to be upset with Africans than it is to be with white people because, for the most part, yeah, it. you have to deal with white people every day. You cannot avoid white people if you live in America, and two, you can't lash out at white people. Mm. So you really have no outlet for your frustration against white people. You do have an outlet of your frustration against Africans. If you go to college in um, a place where there's a large African population, you'll find Mm. that there is typically a rift on campus between the black male students and the African male students. They fight often and regularly. I've been to two HBCUs out here for mediations with black and African students. And I will tell you that it's ridiculous. It's not getting better. And we have to figure out where these things are being learned. Hmm. That's number one. On top of that, there was a whole movement to push media and print and writings that specifically talked about West African involvement in the slave trade. This was a whole campaign during a a time period where they really (laughs) wanted to start after slavery was abolished, they immediately went into play with rewriting the history books as far as what it talked about and who it highlighted for being at fault. So you often saw in history books that they would discuss, oh, well, West Africans were selling other Africans. First, how would somebody know what's for sale oceans away when there's no internet, there's no cell phone, there's no Facebook? How did you know that Africans were selling other Africans? Stop. You went there and you created a market for Africans to sell each other. Now, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead, please. Okay, now let's move on. So, we also need to recognize that you had Africans, people who do not identify as African because they were in the Americas before um, 
Native people, they always want to uh, highlight. The, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not throwing no shade. I'm just saying they exist because <laughs> they said we can't find a slave ship, so they're just not African. But yeah, you know, you know, just to add that because there's going to be people listening, like, yeah, yeah, that's true. You can't find no slave ship. Show me a slave ship. And but, uh, what were they uh, made out of? Vibranium. My 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 Moorish brothers and sisters, and and you know, I you know what? That is a very logical question, and I appreciate Austin, what's the question. boat made out of? So 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 the question that that we need to ask is, the boats that were used for slavery were they privately owned or were they owned by corporations or companies? They were owned by corporations and companies. These okay, so what has happened? Run right. the world. Exactly. So 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 what happens is. When they you when they, they just leave around company? clues and crap, they bring well, those boats down. Not, not, yeah, exactly. Not that, but they recommission boats. And and if we're looking at the point in time when the uh, slavery was done, because they stopped in the early 1800s, they stopped shipping slaves. Those boats got recommissioned mm-hmm. and reordered and reorganized to become battleships that were lost and fought because that's when Spain and all these other wars started coming pirating started happening and so a lot of these boats got recommissioned and reused and it was very and a slaver ship was a very particular kind of ship it wasn't like a regular skippy so so these boats were going to be recommissioned they just didn't set to like okay we use these for slaves and now we're just gonna let them sit no like they got recommissioned they got reused and it wasn't private boats so it wasn't nobody privately that just kind of kept it at the harbor and just like i'm gonna pass this boat down to the generations these the west indian dutch company you know the East Indian Dutch Company. All these, all these people who had these boats and things got recommissioned and used these boats again. That wound up becoming part of armadas. Wound up becoming to the British fleet. Wound up getting bought out by certain, you know, countries to use them in their, uh, in their navy. So let's kind of, you know, even Alaure Equiano, right? Who, who, who was uh, spoke about. Uh, the ship that he was on as a slave, and then came back and was a sailor on it for, for the military, like. So even there, and that's firsthand, Alaura Equiano, that's even in his first hand, he's telling you what happened to at least one ship that he was We're a slave on coming through. Many. And Alaura <laughs> Equiano, who was a Nigerian, he winds up becoming a sailor on the same ship that he was exactly. a slave on. And he's, and he's sitting on the deck writing, writing this. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? The irony of how he's a sailor on a ship, being a sailor, a part of an army, part of a navy that was also so like, come on now. Let's let's <laughs> let's let's we, I mean that's yeah. But see, I don't even want you to I'm just saying people who tend to follow that line of thinking, they also like to mention that there were Africans here before the arrival of the ships, which is uh-huh. true. But we also need to recognize that there were Africans everywhere. Exactly. Africans are the earliest explorers before Columbus and them knew what boats were. Exactly. We did that. So yes. what was happening is that you were finding Portuguese and other groups were taking people who lived in these countries, Africans, wouldn't describe them as slaves, but they worked for them or they were merchants and things like that. So they were taking these people on the boats back to these African countries and they would have these people go in to the leaders and negotiate for indentured workers. Okay, well, these people want indentured (laughs) workers. How many? Okay, well, what will you give us? Blah, blah, blah. And that's just how business was done. And the other but you piece, have to recognize that white people started using Africans from jump. <laughs> that was the first thing that they did was got Africans to go in there and lie to other Africans about what they were doing. But what happened when 
African leaders started finding out what they were doing. They yes. started to rise up against the Europeans yes, that did. were coming over for slaves. Yes, and you did. know what white people did? White mm. people took guns to right. neighboring villages and tribes and gave and armed these neighboring villages and tribes and told them, these people who are to the west of you, these people who are to the north of you, we were worried that they might come and cause you harm. You might want to move in that direction. And for us bringing you this information, give us some of your indentured service. Give us some of your people. So look how, look yeah. how they started this whole cycle. So you're going places, you're arming their neighbors. So not only are you stealing people, but you're starting conflict between neighboring people who've lived <laughs> in peace for centuries. So exactly. you're leaving chaos. And then when people are telling you, I'm not selling you no more of my people, and if you come back, I'm splitting all your throats. Now you're going in and, and slaughtering people and leaving them no choice. So yes. now when you go to somebody and it's like, okay, you can give me some people or I can go arm your people next to you. Pick your choice. And are you saving your life <laughs> or, or choosing between your family's life and your whole village? Mm -hmm. Like the, the decisions that and they left some African leaders with, it's like, it's, there's no way that this, these are humans. But people have to stop thinking that Africans just for years and years were just willingly giving people over. Well, we Man. found out what was happening. We were fighting, but how do you fight a beast? How do you fight people with guns and you don't even have that kind of technology? Like and they this were is the second piece. Africans and then stealing their, their sons and their daughters and stuff. Mm. So at, black people have to stop thinking that somehow we were just smiling and dancing and playing drums and waving goodbye. When we found out yeah. what happened, we fought for you, but what means did we have to come get you? Mm. We would have all died in the water. Yeah. And you know what's the other piece that is also important is the influence and the experiences that African people had with the Arabs for 1,200 years Thank before you. the first European before showed up. got there. <laughs> Listen, before the first European showed up from the continent of Europe to get African slaves, African people were already warring and dealing with slavery with Arabs for over 1,000 years. Exactly. Before Islam was even created. Arabs were fighting and enslaving African people. Exactly. And we have African tour slaves right now. Yep, so what tends to happen exactly. is we look at it from an American perspective where our point in history, our plot in time is the only one that, that we focus on. It's the one that we highlight because that's our lived experience. But we can't overlook or ignore the fact that African people as a whole have been enslaved by, by non-African people for yes. centuries. For thousands and yours of years. is just a period in time where we right. have been done wrong. But we have been done wrong since we can remember what wrong was. Listen, man, Dr. Clark, Dr. Clark, Dr. Clark says that, man. Dr. Clark says that African people have been under siege for 3,000 years. <laughs> yes. Dr. Clark <laughs> yes. teaches and says, yo, for 3,000 years, we have been under siege. Everyone outside right. of Africa who has come into Africa has never been our friend. Exactly. He said, you and I say are the that ones the who have it messed up. Africa, you, you have ones. no allies. Africa yes, has no allies. Yes, you have no friend. None. You have never no had friend. no friend. They said, as soon as they saw you, they played upon you. They said, Africa had something that everybody wants, can't live without, and never had the decency to pay for. And so for 3,000 years, African and African people have been warring against everyone outside of Africa. Man. And so at having that correct context and having that correct understanding is what kind of gives, as you're saying, a better under, like a better, and this is the other thing. 
the education we're not taught this like we're right. not taught this exactly <laughs> we're not taught this so when we're not taught this we're ignorant you know what i'm saying we're right. ignorant and we get to a place so we in the last segment please go finish that last thought you were saying go ahead please finish that yeah so so what i'm saying is and then it it all works full circle so like mentioned earlier we don't need actual white people for the system of white supremacy to function. And mm. we see that as a, you know, we see that resulting in um, things like what happened in Liberia between black wow. people and Africans. So because the pathology is there, because the mentality, the angst, um, the finger pointing, because we both find fault in each other, it's much easier for situations like Liberia to happen. And what, well, what, what well, happened uh, in uh, Liberia... There's people, listening, there's people listening, they're talking about Liberia, what happened? What, what, okay, what are you talking so about? What I'm talking about in Liberia is um, there was a, an effort um, that was led shortly after slavery was abolished. There was a group of freed uh, African Americans um, who were sent to Liberia to, you know, this was actually an effort by a local white group who wanted to rid the United States of free slaves and spread Christianity um, on the continent of Africa. So for them, it was a win-win. We got these free African slaves. We don't want them here. Just drop them off in Africa. Now, what happened when these freed Black American slaves got to Liberia, they immediately enacted the system of white supremacy. They created a class system with the indigenous Africans at the bottom and them at the top. And then with them at the top, there was also colorism. So the lighter you were, <laughs> the higher up in the ranks you were. They enslaved indigenous Liberians. There was a huge massacre. There was genocide. Wow. A lot of them were forced out into the caves. There's still talk about Liberian cannibals because for years they had nothing to eat. They lived, like, I mean, in squalor. And this was at the hands of African-Americans. So, and that's, yeah. that's a, a prime example of the system of white supremacy at play with no white people involved. These were oh, Africans man. and freed black Americans. So if we don't deal with the pathology, if we don't deal with the mental effects of being enslaved and, and just oppressed for 500 years, then we are no good to each other. We will only hurt each other because that's what we've been programmed to do. You know, so. that is something I had said this to, to one of my pan-African brothers when I had expressed, like, man, we need to go back to Africa. And I was like, you know what? I've kind of been learning this understanding about counter-racist logic. I was like, brother, if we go back to Africa, we will turn it into horror. It'll be so bad. Listen, It'll be so bad. We will go there and we will be worse than the white man when he yes. first showed up, brother. And he just did not want to hear that. He just was not. Black people me. not. And I was just like, no, brother. Like, and the example uh, that you said, man, there's there's there there's case law. <laughs> like uh, yeah. We did this before, and in Liberia, we did it before. Yeah, and look what happened. And yeah. Liberia was just freed in the eighties. Wow, this is recent. This wasn't old. I was like, born in the eighties. Yeah, Black Americans were still in power and still oppressing Indigenous Africans in the eighties. Wow. So this is we tried this before, and it didn't work. If the mentality doesn't change, then our interactions with each other will not change. We will only be toxic to each other. Damn. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear about the mental work, about the psychological work, about the spiritual work that has to take place. Before we, can't, we can't take American black people and drop them on the continent of Africa. We'll eat them alive. And we burn it down. We'll, we'll kill yeah. 
Exactly. Full we'll be white people. Be a people be the white all. people. Why can't everybody come up and burn it? It took it, man. Nigga up it, man. Burn it all. Burn it. We we selling everything. You know what I mean? Yes. Shops on every corner. You know what I mean? It's just like yes, man. We kill monger. We will be. We're consumers. We're users. We are products of <sighs> American white supremacy, and that's why it's not enough to just be African genetically. You have to be African in your mentality. You have to. If wow. you are American in your mind, and just because your skin is black, that doesn't mean that you are any good to the continent of Africa or to black people as a whole. Man, say that. I'm sorry. Say that again, man. I you can like have that. black skin and still be an agent of white supremacy. So no. you just being black is not. <laughs> Everybody don't get to hop on the ship just because they're black. I like how you said, man. It, 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 like you having African DNA don't make you African, man. You're gonna have to need that African mind. You're gonna yeah. Need that African mind. It's Absolutely. true. Absolutely. So uh, it comes to the final segment. This is the final part. And uh, mm-hmm. I ask this, all, to talk, talk this to all people. So then I'm on the segment with. Okay. Okay. Question. Have you ever engaged in sexual interaction and or sexual play with a white person? I have not. Okay. Do you think it is appropriate for a non-white person to have sexual interaction and or sexual play with a white person while the system of white supremacy is in existence? I do not. Why is that? Um, I think for fairly obvious reasons. If you, you know, can read and have access to a cell phone with Facebook or any form of news, um, I think you know very well what's taking place in this country and globally as far as white supremacy is concerned. Um, I don't think that we've moved backwards. I just think things have become um, more out in the open and white people are less ashamed about what they feel and how they you know, operate within the system because they know they'll never give it up. Why would they? Why would anybody? Right. Um, and so what that means is any relationship with a white person, you are at a disadvantage and you're at risk of <laughs> being in some, I mean, any, whatever kind of danger they see fit for the situation, but just know that you are at a disadvantage because they, in, within the context of your relationship with them, they are the ones that have the power. So you're at their whim. So what do you mean? What do you mean? It's kinda... What about if it's a black guy with a white woman? Because you know, there's male chauvinism, and you know, it's all about a man's world, and women are, are you know, are, are mistreated. So obviously, a black man's got to have more, uh, you know, power over a white woman. Okay. First of all, the whole premise behind. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I already started it. Uh, the whole premise behind black men being at an advantage because they are male um, is not statistically supported. It's not. In fact, it's the opposite. If you are black and a woman, you have the advantage over being black and the male. That's why within the system, within the system of white supremacy, black men are not at an advantage because they are male. No, no advantage exists for them. If I'm driving around in my car and a cop pulls up next to me, sure, I'm black, but I'm also a woman. So he may probably feel less threatened. I get pulled over much less than my partner does. I get stopped on the street 
much less than my father did and my brothers did. Maybe white men do not perceive me to be a threat. I think in general, white people perceive black women to be more of a tool, um, especially now, whereas oh. black men will always be a threat. So just because he's a black man in a, in a relationship with a white woman, that actually makes, puts him at a greater disadvantage than a black woman with a white man. <laughs> because white women are arguably, white women have the control over white men too. Mm. Like people forget that white women are the ones out here perpetuating these, these systems. White women are the ones that are benefiting from these large inheritances from their fathers and the grandfathers and, and further generations that own plantations. White women are at the head of a lot of these uh, Fortune 500 companies. White women benefit over 80% from affirmative action because they're also double minorities. So we're not really being realistic if we think that him being a man with a muscle puts him toe-to-toe with a white woman. It doesn't. It never could. It don't matter how big of a black man you are. The bigger, the worse off you probably are. And, you know, I want to add to also, as it relates to kind of the the racial interaction, it is not equal in comparative terms black people getting with white people as white people getting with black people because literally all of black men who get with a white woman I have never seen any black man get with a white woman that was from upper class or high society or an elite. Ever. It doesn't work that way. Ever. But (laughs) I have seen middle to low class white women get with black multimillionaire black men, athletes, uh, uh, movie stars, company owners. I have never seen a multimillionaire billionaire heiress get with a black man <laughs> that was middle to low class or even okay, high class so... i've never seen a multi-millionaire billionaire white woman or heiress or you know a daughter of the vanderbergs or a, t- a child of the rothschilds she was a boyfriend and girlfriend with uh with jay electronica but i've never seen them marry like a multi-millionaire uh athlete or entertainer or you know what I mean, or 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 Oprah, or you know, I, I've never seen that. And so what's happened is it may you may think that it's equal and that these lines are crossing, you know, equality, but they're really not. And time and time again, when it, when when brothers do get, but check this out, I've seen tons of billionaire white men get with some sisters, yo. white people, it's deep. That's, and depending on the white person, but most of their relationships are based on what they can get from someone. Mm. So uh, a rich white woman, what is she gaining from a broke black guy? She could get black penis from anywhere. Black penis is flying off the shelves when white women walk through. So she's not pressed for that. If anything, he's a liability. So, But white women are also the standard. <laughs> so white women don't have to have anything of tangible value to be seen as valuable. Wow. So that's why you find rich black men who will date broke black girl of broke white women who are what she's a waitress at Denny's because she's white. Her whiteness is the value. She doesn't have to have anything to offer. Whereas when they look at a black woman, being black is you starting at a disadvantage. So how many degrees do you have? You know, can you cook? Can you clean? You know, what size is your waist? That's when we want to start, you know, taking measurements. But white women are the standard. They don't have to really bring anything to the table. Your, their proximity, you know, you get to be closer to whiteness. 
that's the benefit to be a, <laughs> with a white girl. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Is... <sighs> mm. it, I mean, it, it's not like it would ever stop black people from engaging in sexual activity with white people. So I don't know why it's painful for black people to open their mouths and say that it's inappropriate. We know it's inappropriate if a preacher, you know, is messing with the choir boy or whatever, because one, we know that there's an imbalance of power. And two, we also operate with the perception that one of those people doesn't know any better. Ooh. White people know that black people don't know any better. Yes. They know that there's a disadvantage there and they don't feel, I mean, they're not going to explain it to you. No, okay, that's why, tell I, you why you really shouldn't be messing with me. No. <laughs> that's why I, I, I it created, there's been, there's been terms, it's called as a, tra- it's called a, it's known as the tragic arrange. It's a tragic arrangement. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, I subscribe to uh, it is a form of pedophilia. Seriously. Because it's definitely fetishy. Listen, it is a form of pedophilia. It is, it is a, a pedophile when a person getting with a child because the, the idea of the brass tacks that you're talking about, someone is completely unaware of what the fuck is going on. And the other person is totally aware of what is going on. And because they are aware what is going on, they know that that other person is completely unaware. And that's where it becomes a disadvantage. That's where it becomes mistreatment. Because if they are white, right? I would ask them. I was like, is she white? She's like, yes. Does she know that racism exists? She's like, yes, of course she does. Well, then, bruh, she's taking advantage of you because obviously right. she knows exactly what that means. She knows what yeah. white supremacy means. That's what if she knows what white supremacy means. She knows very good and well that you're not in a position of power, that you're subject to that power, and she still wants to have sex with you, and you're like, okay, yeah, so you're being you're being molested right now. That's a form of right. Because if it was really, you know, about love and respect and all you know all this other crap then that white person would work to eliminate the system of white supremacy First. before they got with you yes because you're there the equality in that relationship would mean that much to them wow you wouldn't want to be in a relationship with somebody that you feel you're taking advantage of why wow, that would make you feel horrible come on now like you 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 know what i mean like oh, anybody who would engage in a relationship like that knowing that they have the upper hand, that it's not equal, then yeah, they're they're a user. They're somebody who's taking advantage of you knowingly. You could be married to this person 30, 40 years. They still know what it is. And if it came down to it, they would choose their best interests. The the problem that we have is we don't know what their best interests are. We think their best interests are interfacing with us. They gain nothing from interfacing with us. We don't have anything of value to offer white people. There's no benefit to them interacting with us. They do that to make us feel better. Wow. <laughs> not for them they don't care right right their benefit is what they can gain and keep moving through their through their lineage damn that's how white people would assess you know what I mean? what's going on not by how many black friends they have shut oh. up <laughs> oh. do you a favor mm. in closing i could be wrong <laughs> I could be i said man i could be wrong i could be wrong, I could be wrong. In closing, is there a solution? Do you or have you come to see a solution or come to an understanding that would kind of add some clarity 
to the to this problem that we're calling the race problem? Is there a solution or multiple solutions? Or from your perspective, from what you've understood? Uh, and I hate to sound like a pessimist, um, but thinking about whether or not there's a solution or potential solutions is exhausting to me. Hmm. Um, because I feel like there's a brick wall at the end of every, like, well, maybe this will work. Okay, well, maybe. Because realistically speaking, it would take white people <laughs> agreeing to at least leave us the fuck alone long enough to get our bearings. And I don't ever foresee white people doing that. Damn. Um, even, you know, and that could take place in many forms, whether that's here, whether that's, you know, somewhere on the continent, but then they would have to, you know, remove their hands from the continent too. They're everywhere there. So it's just like white people are too invested. It's, it's too, it makes them too much money to keep us where we are. Hmm. And I don't ever see them wanting to, to give up the kind of power that they have in order for us to live better. I just don't see that happening. Now, the only way that it's out of their hands is if the dollar collapses or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, because whiteness is, is more powerful because of how much wealth it's attached to. So if you remove the wealth, well, then you have rich white people, you know, calling security, but there's no security. Was so the that's when the poor eat the rich. Was it, was, <laughs> that's was that the, kind of stuff. Was the system white supremacy in operation in existence before the dollar? Yeah. All right then. Well, if the dollar collapsed, it would still be here, sweetheart. Why do you think that? <laughs> because logically, you just because it was here before it got here. Right, but we're also we're not in the same situation that we would. You know, if the dollar collapsed, I guess. Okay, well then we're screwed. You know, <laughs> my <weed. laughs> Shit. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't know, Austin. Maybe not. And, but you know what? You have to say yes to this kind of question, right? Because you're black and you're full of hope. And, you know, tomorrow's going to be bright and all that stuff. But uh, also... I, I, I'd rather be logical. And I would rather... No, for real. From a, from a mental health perspective. From a mental health? From a mental health perspective. It helps me to uh, feel like there is hope. Because otherwise, it's like, what am I doing it for? I have that, a young black boy I'm raising. What am I doing it for? What in huh? mental health? What is what 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 is to come from having a false sense of security? A false sense of security. I said a little bit of hope. I didn't. I didn't take it that far. <laughs> I I think hope breeds a false sense of security. Nah, no, 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 no. I don't feel <laughs> secure. I feel very unsafe. Uh, what I'm saying is maybe uh -huh. three, four, five, six, seven generations down the line. Oh damn! When. My son and his son and his sons and his son's sons and sons. Because realistically speaking, I don't know. You know what I mean? The past has already happened. The, the, the future isn't here yet. So all we have is right now. Right. The, all I can use, you know, to, you know, come to the conclusion is up to this, up to right now. Uh -huh. And up to right now, I have to say, if it could happen, I don't know how it would be possible. True. I don't have that in my mind. You know what I mean? Is the system of white supremacy, was that created by man? Was that created by men and women? Yeah. Human beings. Okay. Is there anything that man has ever created that has lasted forever? Uh, I can't say up to this point because I don't think I've lived 
through forever. Well, but uh, but is there anything that man has created that has been still up in the spill lasting? I mean, there's some things that are still... Like what? What do you mean? Like inventions? Like light bulbs? Yeah, anything light that bulbs man has and... created, whether it has been invented, developed, implemented, supported, or created, is anything that he has created, he or she has created, has it lasted forever? Whatever it is. I don't know. I haven't nope. lived nothing. forever. There's nothing that man has created that has lasted forever. Any? How, how do we know? We don't. We we're not a. We're not in forever. We're not in forever, forever. hasn't happened yet. So then we just know. So so is there anything in existence right now that was created by man, that is still in existence right now, that was created long ago before the system of white supremacy? No. Government, system of governments, countries, monetary systems, you know what I'm saying? None of it lasts forever. Anything that man has created does not last forever. Right, but man would also... So that means... What man is destroying it? Exactly. So that means that anything man can create, man can what? Deconstruct, can decreate. Sure, but I already acknowledged that. That's the first thing I said. Right. Sure, white supremacy can be destroyed, but it would have to be destroyed from the inside. It would have to be destroyed by white people. Mm. So I'm a non-white person. I can't tell you how to break down white supremacy because it's not mine to break. Mm-hmm. So if we knew how, if you know, how it, <laughs> but if we knew how it was created, if we knew how it was working and how it was created, if we knew the very important parts of this system, we, we, we would be able to take it down, correct? Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically, yes. In comparative terms, like a building, like a giant building, as big and as vast as the biggest building in the world is, we can knock it down in free fall speed in less than 10 Sure, miles. of course. We could destroy the maybe the structures or the systems within white supremacy but, but the, how do you destroy them how do you destroy the leftovers how do you destroy the mentalities how do you destroy you know how do you destroy people's brains that is like you don't fix, uh, you know what I mean I get the destruction white supremacy is all about destruction we but go. we got a lot of rebuilding it's the rebuilding uh, that I'm worried about because that's what I can take part practice, in so how do we practice, rebuild the practice itself well from my from my observation it would suggest, what you're speaking about, the mentality, the practice, right? The practice mm-hmm. of white supremacy. Even if the structures of white supremacy is gone, how do we get rid of the practice? Right. The practice is introduced or is eliminated or is replaced by another practice. So the system of white supremacy, is a, it's a system because... It is practice among white people, whether they're conscious or unconscious, whether they're doing it directly or indirectly. And so introducing into the matrix another practice would that counters the white supremacy practice would in would in would indeed eliminate it because it would replace so we reprogram everybody. Will we reprogram by introducing a different practice? So if we look at so breaking it down, the system of white supremacy is about mistreatment and subjugation. So introducing a practice that counters mistreatment and subjugation. Yeah, but aren't we assuming that whatever force destroys white supremacy is a benevolent force? No. Like what if it's destroyed by something worse and then we get, you know, we usher in Asian supremacy. Something that's, that's why we need that's why we need to replace it with another system. 
but we don't we need power to be the ones replacing it? Um, well, this kind of power that we're talking about is intrinsic. So this is something that's not tangible. And what's not tangible is a methodology and practices, right? You can't put your hand on a practice. You can just do it. So from my perspective, from what I've observed, introducing a system of justice, a practice of justice within the system of white supremacy will replace that system with a system of justice. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> it sounds good, you know what I mean? I just feel like I feel like you have a lot of people waiting uh-huh. on that spot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once it's vacant, it's dog eat dog. Wow. So, you know, ushering in, you know, a just... whole era of peace and justice sounds marvelous. Like right. shit. You know what I mean? Like we could we could go for some justice and some peace. It's just a matter of, you know, who are we gonna be fighting against to usher in this era? You know what I mean? Like, how many are we going to lose in trying to usher in this this justice and peace? But again, you know, that doesn't that's that's focusing on details. That's irrelevant. Man, the, man, the devil's in the details. It's, it is. You right? I'm t- I just most that's just how I think. You know what I mean? It plays out in my head. You know what I mean? It's a bunch of dead white people. No, nah. standing on the pile. You know what I mean? We look it up. You know what I'm saying? It's chocolate nigga come out and he just freezes everybody. But it, you know what I mean? That's just how I hope it happens. Uh, it might not look that cute. You know what I mean? Oh man, that's just what I'm praying for. That's it. The system of justice is yeah. guaranteeing that no one is mistreated and guaranteeing. Whoever needs the most help gets the most constructive assistance first. There's no legal definition for the word justice. So according to counter-racist logic, it has been presented that a definition for justice must be something that is reflective of something to be done, right? Something that can only be manifested by human beings because justice is something that you do, something that you practice. For it to be real, and uh, I'm under I am under the suspicion that the reason why justice has never had a legal definition is because the ability to accurately define words is also the ability for those words to be manifested in the reality. That's the magic of words. See, words shape our reality our experience of the reality and the images shape our reality. And so our ability to have words and to properly understand the meaning of words or properly define words or words that are misdefined or words that don't have definitions at all, I think, especially when it comes to the system of white supremacy, it's the glue that holds it together. The glue that holds this entire system around the planet is, is words in the definition so- of words. So then that becomes the issue. Yeah. If if we get to this utopian place or whatever where there's like a shift of power and all that good stuff, uh-huh. the people who move into the position of power will be the ones who are organized. They'll be the ones who had this stuff all together. You know, they had the groundwork laid and then they just transition into power. But we as black, we can't even agree on what racism is. Mm. You know what I mean? We still hung up on whether or not black people can be racist and, and stupid stuff like that. So it's like, how do we ever get to a position where we could move into 
power, you know, by, positions by, of power? How do we ever get past by, the petty by, stuff? By defining and redefining the words that are within the system that are holding it together. Austin, you and I both know black people don't listen to other black people. They, they don't use... have to. This is the thing. They don't have to listen to anyone. I'm not, I don't want so any... we get white people to print the new definitions? Who... You define you create the definition. Your ability to communicate and express your definition according to logic is what becomes the testing ground. So you but can don't have... need to agree on what these definitions are. Otherwise, how do we communicate if we're not speaking the same language? We communicate. If racism is one uh, thing to me and it's something else to you, we're uh, not having a real conversation. But racism is something, regardless of whether I, my perspective of what I'm seeing and what you're seeing, our agreement is not based upon, see, our communication is not based upon our agreement of the definition of words. Our communication is based upon the understanding of communicating of the words, but you can define these words. It's, and it's not all words. It is a very specific, particular set of words within the system of white supremacy that we must redefine. And yes, we must come to an agreement with to see that this is not proper. Like you said, like the example you said, the racism. Racism, racist, is improperly defined for a reason, right? right? So, so of course, yes. Now, we, now, <laughs> but the problem is, black uh, people are using these definitions that were created by to defend. Yes, yes, yes. So, how do we, as as black people who know better, uh-huh. educate these black people who are who are dead set on no? Webster said it, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, and no, then they no, get into Webster, this position no, where it's himself was a well, he was a racist. Exactly. So then we get into a position where if you tell somebody that, well, you know, Webster was okay. So everything about a white man is bad. So then we back at square one, because <laughs> now you're so stuck on defending white supremacy that you're not listening to what I'm saying. Uh, I, I think that's so it's circle that's top. Part of, that that's I think uh, that is part of the struggle. That right there, which that what you just said right there. <laughs> That is part of the struggle. I think that's part of it. And I think there's a way, and there's, and I've interacted, yeah, and you've, you've seen my interactions, and it's, I think yeah. there's a way to communicate. This exhausting. It is. Oh, well, I don't know about exhausting. Well, I'm not, I'm not exhausting. Explaining the same thing over. I, I, I don't mind. I, man, you know what? I explain it so much that you know how, like, your, uh, your, uh, your phone will, like, start giving you the next word. Now, I just, up. I just, I just type the whole <laughs> All I have to do is type like two or three letters and I start hitting the middle button and it literally just types out the entire phrase I was going to use. Like, it's, 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 it's wild. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I mean, because it's like a computer, man. The kind of racist right. logic. Kind of racist logic is very, it's like a computer, man. It's like when something is said, this is what it said. You say this all the time, every single time without shit. You know, now check, and you can check and see. It, it doesn't make sense or it doesn't make sense. Is it logical or not logical? Is it, con- is it constructive or non-constructive? You know what I mean? If it, it makes logical to you, if it, it, it's logical sense and it's constructive, lock it in w- without a doubt. You know what I mean? So, right. But, uh, but yes, I think that the beginning part of the solution is redefining the words that hold the system of white supremacy in place. It is the glue from, my, from what I've observed. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But from what I've observed and seen, when you get down to the brass tacks, the bare minimum, like the, 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 the foundational, 
it is the words. It's the words that we're using. It's the words that we've been taught to use. It's the words that we've been tricked to use that's holding and maintaining this, that's holding and maintaining this system at the very same time, keeping us confused out of our mind. Do you agree that white people would have to agree to allow this to happen? I don't think white people can control Okay, so let me head on. <laughs> okay. You are not. Walk her back. Walk her back. No, 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 no. I, no, I want to say this. Okay. White people, no, no person can control another person, right? They can influence and have a powerful influence. In the system, what's your friend? They influence a lot of our decisions. More ninety percent of our decisions are influenced by our environment, but. Coming to this state of awareness, you do have an understanding and the ability to control your actions with each other. And you said it. It's how we interact with each other that we, that we can only work on, if that we can only deal with. And I'm ultimately saying that the solution is part of us coming together and dealing with that interaction with each other. And to even go even deeper... Part of the interaction are the words that we're using. Okay, so you mean redefine these terms amongst ourselves? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I got you. Yes, absolutely. I thought you meant on the on a different scale. I didn't know you meant like okay. Okay. I'm going all the way to the bottom. Like you You went all the way underground. I didn't know that's where you went with it. The one thing that you can do. Right I'm there now, somebody's listening. The next next non-white person you interact with. So when you say racism, what do you mean when you say racism exactly? Because I know racism is improperly defined. And the definition of racism that you have, if you haven't realized that you can actually make your own definition, you're going to use a, a definition created by a racist person. So logically, right. you're trying to tell me that a racist person is going to de- give you the proper definition to define themselves. That's like asking the wolf to please, can you define yourself <laughs> the best way so I can adequately tell you different from the other dogs that are cool to the wolves who don't eat my sheep. Nah, nah, exactly. Nah. Right. Which is why they leave that definition open, <laughs> exactly. to, you know what I mean, to interpretation so much so that it can be, you know, you, black guy, you can be racist just because, you know, said something bad about a white person. It's like, that's not how any of this works. Exactly. Where did you get that from? Well, Webster said, and it's like, okay, great. You know what I mean? Because once you get that Caucasian stamp of approval, it's hard to convince somebody that it's wrong. Mm. Mm. So I think even getting to that piece right there, that's like the very first step. And that can happen. To even get people to understand like, yo, it is okay for you to redefine these. This is this. So they're like, no, it's not okay because no one can give me any question. Are you white or not white? I'm non-white. Okay. Did you create the English language that you're using? No. Then you have every bit of a right to reinterpret anything that you did not create, especially when it comes to the English language. In fact, you're supposed to because you did not create this language. And they're like, uh, I don't know about that. You know, that's a little bit too much. You know, now you got me thinking. Now I got to read black people. A lot of black people are afraid of freedom. The more, the more freedom certain things offer them. Let's use, for example, um, like the whole religious situation going on with a lot of black people. So you have a lot of African Americans who are abandoning, you know, the dominant religion, 
mm-hmm. and moving to, more towards what they think is spirituality. But what you find is that people are dropping religious titles, but they're not dropping religion. So they're taking religion to spirituality and then making their spirituality just it's just becoming a, another form. It's a new religion for them. The dogma. So when I'm talking to people, one box for another box. I traded one box for another box. Yeah. I'm talking to people and they're like, well, what do I have to do? What are the rules? And I'm like, I've never seen people look for restrictions. Like you're literally asking me, you know. For, for laws and, and things to just be put on your life for no reason and you don't need that are you not in control of, of what you're doing and the decisions that you make oh, okay well then trust your own decisions right now somebody shouldn't have to come and tell you be kind to your neighbor that's right. the thing you to already do right that's your, that should be your base level you should already just be kind that's when people go around you they experience your kindness that's it's not they... something that you put in on come on now that's, that's, that is African in itself it I, is so it's hard to teach people freedom who've never experienced it because in spiritual systems there is a sense of you know how you do your home is how you do your home you don't get to go and tell somebody else okay well this is how we're doing it today no so people have to you know there there are layers to dropping certain you know chains that we still carry around with us as a result of being enslaved for so long you know what I mean and it's you know so the words yeah they're very powerful and they connect to other things so right there is a certain aspect of like man I really don't want to you know give up what I already know I already learned this way I already learned this system I know these rules when it's like but you're giving that up for freedom mm. you know what I mean you're not giving it up for a new set of rules mm. so mm. it's hard to get people to understand that that freedom isn't evil wow wow they call that what they call that uh Drakeomania. Drakeomania, exactly. Yeah. Still- I know what it is. We still suffer from it. We are still uh, like afraid to, to run off the from. I mean, it's a pseudoscience. Is that even something to suffer from? Absolutely. <laughs> I know people with it now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You would think. You would think that it was like. Oh wait, wait. Now this one is gonna be listening. Drakeomania. Mm. What does that mean? Okay, so basically, um, during slavery, and this is why you know black people really don't trust psychologists all like that. But so it's you know when they were coming up with new psychological terms and disorders or whatever, one of them that they coined for the African slave was called drakeomania, and what it was was the audacity of a slave to want to be free. So <laughs> they would label. African slaves who ran off of the yep off of the plantation in search of freedom as psychotic, (laughs) and so the solution to that was just to beat the shit out of them. So go catch him, bring him back. He's suffering. He's sick. Beat his ass till he get it right. And and you beat someone enough that they lose their will for freedom. They lose their will to escape. They made that an actual mental disorder, (laughs) and people still are afraid to escape. Like nah, you know what I'm saying? I'm just. Just stay where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? It ain't that bad. <laughs> Matt's have been good to it so far. <laughs> oh, man. It's sad. It's a psychosis. Ain't that a bad It definitely is. <sighs> the audacity for you to want to be free. You know, I just want to thank you, uh, Miss Faith, for uh, sparing some time. I know you're a busy individual, a mom, and you know, working and gym and all that, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, man. You know, I know, I know you got a life, man. And I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with me on this podcast. I appreciate that you be listening and checking it out as well. Of course, of course. I'm sure I'm in a whole bunch of trouble, but I enjoy nah, it. No, not at all, man. So. Listen, it's definitely gonna be, <laughs> yo, they're, they're gonna, people have been chomping at the bit uh, for new episodes, so this is gonna, <laughs> don't be surprised. Uh. This is gonna be like, it's gonna have about at least three hundred listens by. Um, by Put me under by a Saturday code night. name. <laughs> by, by Saturday night. No, no, I, I, I name everyone by their first name, whether they're white Put or me not. Under white. Frank. You know what I'm saying? You give me a nice white guy name. <laughs> <laughs> would you be? Uh, would you be inclined? Because I like your perspective. So as more and more has come through, man, I would love to have you back for sure. And just kind of chop it up with After you all that you want me to come back sure i'll come back <laughs> you bring a good constructive dialogue and there's like very few people i kind of just want to follow back up with the kind of you know what i mean just to kind of continue the conversation definitely you know what i'm saying and give from perspective oh some of the episodes that you have listened to what, is there any that kind of really stuck out to you or Nope. Really, really like, or just was like something that was just, uh, or what was? Oh, let's see. You are a real troll. Let me end on a positive. <laughs> <laughs> Let me end on a positive. And and I'm so sorry again. I'm forgetting the man's name, but he's an officer. Okay. Of peace. But as soon as I heard his profession, I did turn my uh, face up a little bit just because, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you know what I'm saying? You're a traitor. But when we uh, got into the conversation, I really, really appreciated his perspective and his dedication um, to his community and wow. him being, you know, verbal about that. Because right. that's a whole nother aspect to it. Like, I'm working in my community. I'm dealing with these, you know, young African-American men. I'm building relationships with them, and I'm proud of that. Wow. I mean, that's part of my job. So it was nice to hear a black man who was also working in law enforcement have that kind of perspective and right. be, you know, open with it. Because we get a lot of, um, and I will say that he was young. So maybe that, that plays into it. You know, there's a little bit of youth there. There's a little bit of optimism. Right. Because typically we come in contact with older black law enforcement, like my granddad, and oh. they are quite jaded. Oh, um, right. not all of them, right? But a lot of them, because they live through, you know, respectability politics, and some of them still carry them, you know, carry those beliefs with them, uh -huh. and they can be a little less willing to, you know, see the perspective of these young African American men. Mm. So I'm happy that he's young and he's working in law enforcement and that his mentality is what it is. And I appreciated wow. that interview. So, yeah. Man, I think one of them, uh, I mean, there was so much in that interview. Uh, yeah. But one, uh, one thing that I really, really appreciated was when he was talking about um, what happens when a call comes in and how, like, yes. third party, and by the time it gets to him, it is the most expound, like, you know, it is the right. worst situation ever, and how, like, they have to come to that situation to calm it down, and there was something that he said, like, yo, um, I need for everyone to stop moving, so I need to cuff yeah. you so that everyone can stop moving and stop slowing so I can see what is going on. Right. And so um, I, I really, really appreciated 
that part because it just it's a perspective so, we don't get right 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 and it just gives so much to that so yeah that was a good that was a good yeah that was a good one that one was dope yeah definitely tried to trap me with that question okay. <laughs> no not at all man. not at all not at all <laughs> not at all man just keep it real man i'm playing i'm playing i'm playing yeah no, there's, there's definitely been some they've all been different in, in their own right enough <laughs> For me to stick with them, even if they were frustrating, you know what I mean. I got through it because I wanted to see. Uh-huh. You know what I mean. You root, and, and maybe it's a see, but I root for people uh-huh. in situations like that, especially yeah. people that I know are capable, and you know what I mean can can reach a certain level of comprehension that maybe right. they haven't pushed themselves to yet. Right. So I'm always hoping that they'll challenge themselves to see different perspectives, and I try to challenge myself too. Sometimes it takes me a day. Sometimes I I come around to things, Uh, but I try to hold myself, um, you know, accountable and really make sure that I'm not out here, you know, being a hypocrite or not being the best, you know, not being an asset to my community and the people who are around me. So, Mm. you know, even the frustrating ones were, I hope that they took something away from me. Man, you know, I, um, and now I'm saying, I always say, I'm trying to, trying to let black folk kind of get their time in. And we have yeah. so many perspectives, but yeah, I'm telling you, when these white people come, and they are coming, oh my gosh, they are lined up and chomping at the bits. And so I'm just kind of just taking my time, because when these white folk come in, it's going to be a different story. I'm telling you. You know what? It's, it's I mean, that doesn't surprise me, because white people have been, <laughs> white people have been firm in this stance for mm-hmm. hundreds of years. Wow. You know what I mean? Black right. people in the last hundreds of years, have everything's been in, in motion. It's been in shift. Everything's wow. been in transition. So right. we don't have our footing. You know what I mean? Right. Blackness is really, from a cultural aspect, it's a void of mm-hmm. everything else. And mm-hmm. we just put a bunch of bits and pieces of things that we could you know, take from here and there or maintain or twist in some way that was acceptable. And we've just created a subculture out of that. But in reality, it's not a real culture. So everything is still up for debate. Whereas white people, things aren't up for debate. Like <laughs> certain decisions that we're still shocked about, white people have been making them for hundreds of years and they will continue oh. to decide that way because right. it's in their favor. We're the ones who are still flexible in our beliefs. You know what I mean? So it shouldn't surprise anybody that white people would come on your show and stand firm in their beliefs. You know what I mean? That's only shocking to us. Right. You notice white people never correct their racist friends or family. They just nod their head. Mm. You ever notice that? You you ever see a real interaction where they're like, hey, Bob, don't you use that word in front of me? Or, Mm. you know, it's going to be a problem. That never happens. It's just like, Bob. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. You don't have to say that. Yeah, you don't have to say that out loud is what they're really saying. Exactly. But it's never a correction of other behavior or anything like It's never a confrontation. So black people shouldn't be surprised when white people are who they are. You know what I mean? You just accept that and, and, and handle your business. Handle your business. But I'll be listening. <laughs> handle my business and listening. <laughs> I will be so dead. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be good. Indeed. So thank you again. And uh, yeah, we keep in touch, all right? Definitely. All right. All right.